Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. It's uh, great to be here with you this morning. And uh, <clears throat> a, little bit of, a little bit of history. This is the first time I've been here in this building, but I actually have history with this, with this church. Going back uh, a long way, in fact, we're talking in the 70s. I remember coming up to some Christmas camps at the caravan park. Anyone here remember them? One. Am I that? I have you up the back. There we go. They were great times. I, I, was, I provided the music for some of those camps and they were great times. So I've got a little bit of history with, uh, with the church here, but it's great to be here with you this morning. And as Stephen said, I'll be sharing a little bit about um, compassion. Just uh, out of interest, who's heard of compassion before? Okay. A few. That's great. Anyone like to hazard a guess just how many kids we have currently in sponsorship in the 25 different countries that we're working in? Just... Yell it out. There's Pentecostal church, right? So, <laughs> used to a bit of feedback, so it's great. Um, 25,000? That's, that's pretty good. Anyone else want to have a crack? Uh, not you, Tanika. I know you know. But uh, <laughs> Great to have Tanika here with me this morning. Give me a hand out. Fantastic. Because it's Sunday morning and this is the early service, right? Why don't I just tell you? <laughs> right? <laughs> just over 2 million. Just over 2 million kids in sponsorship uh, through Compassion Projects. And one of the things I love about the Compassion, what I call the Compassion Model, is we only work through local churches on the field. So every Compassion Project, and there's almost 8,000 of them now, in the 25 different countries that we're working with in the developing world. Um, yeah, it's, it, I've got a microphone in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's true. <laughs> Just over 2 million kids, right? Fantastic. And uh, that's right. I was telling you about the thing I love about the compassion model. We only work through local churches. So that means there's no restriction on us preaching the gospel. None whatsoever. Uh, because it's a ministry of a local evangelical church that we're working with. And uh, while I can't guarantee that every single one of those one, uh, 2 and 2.1, whatever it is, million kids, I can't guarantee that they're all going to find faith, right? What I can guarantee is that every single one of those kids hears the gospel every day that they go to their compassion project. And literally hundreds of thousands of them are coming to faith in Jesus every year. It's exciting. It's a fantastic ministry to be involved in. Look, I do a little bit of part-time Bible college teaching and uh, I love asking people questions. So I'm going to just put a question out there. We probably won't engage with it too much, but uh, if I was to ask you, what do you think might be the greatest demonstration that the world has ever seen that would indicate um, God's heart for the poor? In fact, uh, that, that's what we're going to be speaking about. So let's just see if it's working. Oh, don't you love it when technology works? <laughs> what do you think that might be, the greatest demonstration of God's heart for the poor? Love, yes, absolutely. How was that love demonstrated? Christ died for us, absolutely, that is, that's part of the thing, that's right up there, that's, that's so close, <laughs> there, there's a, there was a step before that that I would suggest, I'm, I'm falling into my Bible college thing, you know, <laughs> um, but because it's, because it's Sunday morning and it's the early service, why not I just tell you, okay, so <laughs> okay. Um, I would suggest to you it's the, it's the incarnation. The fact that God 
became a human. That's, I'm suggesting, the greatest... Now, it includes the fact that he died for us on the cross, and, but he, he became a human. Think about that for a minute. This is God Almighty, eternal, limited himself to a human body. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Now, when he commenced his ministry, uh, he, Luke records it for us in chapter 4. He went to the, the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth and the scroll was opened up and he began to read out of the prophet Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Very interesting. To preach good news to the poor. And then he goes on to say, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now, it's for the poor. Now, when we stop and think about the fact that when it comes to our fallenness, our sinfulness, there's not a thing that you and I can do about that in and of ourselves. Is that true? This is Christian church, right? This, I'm speaking the truth here, right? Okay, fantastic. There is not a thing that you and I can do about our fallenness in and of ourselves. That's why Jesus came. So in that macro picture, if you like, we're all poor. Every single one, we're poor. We can't do anything about our situation. We need someone to do it for us. But when it comes to uh, economic poverty and, and all of the, the stuff that that incorporates, as you read through both Old and New Testaments, there is absolutely no doubt whatsoever that there is a special place in the heart of God for those who are locked into the web of disadvantage that is created by poverty. And that's what Compassion's ministry is all about. Now, that's what Jesus' ministry is all about. But uh, in the element of reaching into kids, our, our tagline is uh, releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. We are an explicitly Christian ministry. And uh, uh, as I said, the impact of what... Uh, our ministry is doing through the world is, is phenomenal. I could talk at length about that. We don't have time. This is the early service, right? So um, let's, let's move on. So I, I would suggest that um, God's action in sending his son in human form, in his son, Jesus Christ, is the greatest demonstration of God's heart for the poor and the fact that God took responsibility for your and my sin. That's... That is a mind-blower. God has taken responsibility for our sinfulness. Why? Because he created us in the first place in his image and he loves us. Now, I want to give you some, uh, some practical insights about um, Compassion's ministry. So uh, I want to introduce you to a couple that I met in, uh, just on the outskirts of Kolkata in India a couple of years ago. This is uh, Purume, the mum, and her son, Selvam. Now, Selvam is, uh, uh, was one of our sponsor kids, um, and uh, we actually had Selvam's sponsor with us on this particular trip, a lovely older lady. She was actually older than me, so she was a really old lady. But um, um, she was with us on this trip. Her name was Paula from Perth and uh, a wealthy lady. She'd been in real estate all her life. She was a mover and a shaker. She, she was used to making things happen. In fact, uh, just to give you an idea of the sort of circle that she used to move in, whenever she had a compassion soiree, in uh, Perth, she would have Julie Bishop as one of her guests, personal friend of Julie Bishop. 
lovely lady. And uh, so we're wanting to hear their story. Now, this is their home. It's um, pretty, pretty basic. Uh, and I should say, Selvam, at the time when, we, uh, when I met him, was, he was 12. All right? It's a couple of years ago now. He was 12. And uh, he was the third of um, three kids. So he was the, the youngest of three. He had two, an older sister and an older brother. And we were wanting to hear it, but Selvam was the only one being sponsored. Okay? So we wanted to hear their story, obviously, through an interpreter. And... Uh, so Perume was saying that um, 13 years earlier, now remember Selvam's 12, okay? So 13 years earlier, uh, her husband had left her for another woman. So we're, we're immediately thinking, man, we'd like to get that guy. And, um, uh, but as the story goes on, there was, uh, so that was bad enough, but um, it, it got worse. He had left her with a debt. So he'd taken off with another woman. She's the one with the debt. It's a 35,000 rupee... Uh, Indian rupee debt, so it's about it's about two thousand dollars maybe in our money, but it might as well be a million dollars. She'll never ever pay that off. She, this is a woman living on in extreme poverty. World Health Organization says uh, those who are living in extreme poverty are living on or less than a dollar seventy a day. That is impossible for us to compute, but that's that's the reality. So she will never ever pay that debt off. So for the last thirteen years. Uh, her life has been um, working in a, in a quarry seven days a week, 12 hours a day, from 6 a.m. through to 6 p.m., seven days a week, uh, breaking big rocks into smaller rocks with a hammer, making road aggregate. That's been her life for the last 13 years. And uh, so, you know, if you look at that picture, there's a, there's a mum with her son. There's no physical contact. Now, you, you need to understand a photograph in India is a very serious thing. Rarely do you see a smile. Right, uh, but it looks pretty desperate, and, and it and it is. It's a desperate situation. She'll never ever pay this debt off. In fact, she is in what in India is is called bonded labour. Uh, so she is. Um, it's legalised slavery. That's really the only way you can describe it. She will never pay that debt off. Uh, she's locked into that situation unless something happens from the outside. And it's just an extremely desperate, desperate situation. So Paul is with us. As I said, a mover and a shaker. She's hearing this story and she's getting angry. You can almost see the steam coming out of her ears, you know. Fortunately, didn't say anything while we were there talking to Perumo. But later in the team debrief meeting, she is going off. She said, that's just so wrong. That's wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay that debt for her. I'm going to clear that debt. I'm going to buy her a sewing machine. I'm going to get her retrained. And, and we're saying, look, Paula, that, that's... Fantastic that you want to do this. It's great that you feel this way. But you, you need to understand our job is not to tell this woman what to do. Our, our job is to give her options and let her make the choice if that's what she wants to do. So why don't we talk to the Compassion India staff and we'll suggest that you'd, you'd like to be able to do something about that and uh, we'll, we'll mention that to Perume and see what she wants to do about it. So they did that. Now just bear with me for a moment. If you had a, a million dollar debt, there's no way in the world you're going to pay it. And somebody comes up and says, you know what, I'll, I'll pay that debt for you. What would you say? Yeah, absolutely. She thought it was a great idea. said, yes, I, I, I would love that to happen. And yes, I'd, I'd love to get out of the quarry and be retrained. Uh, I, I've got a, a photograph here. That's not the one I wanted. Aha, uh -huh, that's right. Let's go back. Um, I just remembered we've got a different, uh, a different PowerPoint. 
Sorry about that. But I, I have got, you'll have to believe me, I've got a photograph of, <laughs> of uh, Perume being handed her release, her certificate of release from that debt. Okay? And uh, which is just a, a, a beautiful story. Um, in fact, if you, if you think about that for a moment, here's, here's a woman who had a debt that she couldn't pay. Somebody put their hand up and said, you know what, I'll, I'll pay that debt for you. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Huh? Is that, isn't that what Jesus has done for every single one of us, right? We had a debt of sin that we couldn't pay and he said, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll pay that debt for you. There's a, a beautiful story of redemption that's just wrapped in this story. I love, that's why I love telling this story just because of the reality of what's going on. What I, what I am going to show you is uh, this gives you just a graphic shot of the impact of what a sponsorship can do in a, ch- in a child's life. This is a photograph that, um, that I did take. This is Solvum, same boy. Does he look a little different? Yeah. Absolutely. This is just I wanted to, it's a graphic picture of the impact that a sponsorship can have in a child's life because as, uh, as your partner Stephen said, mindsets get shifted. Perspectives get moved. The gospel is incredibly powerful in a, in a person's life. We, we all know the reality of that, don't we? So I love telling the story. But what we didn't do today, now most of you would be aware of the, um, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay? Um, I said earlier that I, I think that one of the greatest demonstrations that, that indicates God's heart for the poor is, is the incarnation and, of course, everything that came out of that. His, uh, his birth, his life, his ministry, and then his death and his resurrection, all of those things reveal the depth of God's heart for the poor because we're all poor when it comes to our inability to do anything about our fallenness. But I think the, the parable of the Good Samaritan is, is probably the best story that Jesus told that indicates the reality of God's heart for the poor. So most of it, most of us know it. We're not going to read it. Uh, but we're just going to walk our way through it. And uh, so most of you, I'm sure, will be familiar of it. So it's in, if you want to check it out later, f- uh, and just make sure I'm telling the truth here, it's, it's Luke 10, 25 through to 37. Okay, check it out for yourself later on. Um, but the, the story was that uh, this lawyer, an expert in Jewish law, uh, came up to Jesus, and, uh, and Luke makes it quite clear that he, was, uh, he wasn't genuine in his, in his questioning, um, but he, he sort of throws out a question to you, well, you know, good master, what have I got to do to inherit eternal life? And uh, now Jesus looked at him and he said, this man's a lawyer. You know, he's got this pinstripe suit on and no, he didn't, but you know what I mean. He, 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 could, he could pick him for what he was and, and, and probably the Holy Spirit gave him some insight as well, seeing he was the son of God. And uh, he realises this guy's not on the level and he just throws the question straight back at him. This is adult education 101. All right, throws the question straight back. Yeah, he says, you're a smart man. You know the answer to this. You, you, you tell me. And the guy says, well, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and, and love your neighbour as yourself. And uh, he, he thought, tick, you know, <laughs> I have nailed this one. And, uh, and Jesus said, that's a, that's a great answer. That's a good answer. Then he bowls this bouncer at him. He says, do this. You, if you do this, you, you'll, you, you're on the way. You'll be fine. Now, he's a lawyer. Lawyers are always looking for an angle, right? And uh, 
and he thinks he's on pretty good ground. So he asks the question, so, so who's my neighbour? He's feeling really confident about this, you know, because in his mind, he knows who his neighbour is. Number one, he's got to be a Jew, he's got to be a male, got to be someone of similar socioeconomic standing to himself. He's, he's feeling pretty comfortable. And then Jesus uses that scenario to paint the picture that we now know as the parable of the Good Samaritan. So the story goes that uh, there's this uh, guy heading down to, from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He gets uh, jumped by some bandits. They knock him down off his, off his donkey and uh, strip him and leave him half, half dead, half naked and, uh, and bleeding and dying. and He's in a, in a bad shape, rob him of everything he's got. And uh, then a, a priest comes along, a Levite comes along, uh, neither of them are interested in we, we won't go into the, there's a whole other sermon there, but uh, they, they don't, uh, they're not interested. But it's a, it's a Samaritan who comes along. Now, there's, there is a shock value that is inherent within this story that Jesus is deliberately, he's setting this guy up. Okay? He, wants to, he wants to open this guy's heart up like a can of sardines and just sort of, just sort of speak into him and let him see something about himself. You notice God does that with all of us. He wants us to see the ugliness of ourselves at times because he wants to heal us of it and release us from it, right? So he, it's, it's a Samaritan. It's a fascinating story, this. The Samaritan sees the guy and... Uh, it, a couple of different translations put it differently. Some said his, his heart went out toward him uh, or he had compassion on him. It's a great word, that, compassion. And the, the Greek word is uh, splanknizomi. Now, I know you're really excited about that, but um, it's an ugly word. Um, but what it means, it's a, and it's, it's not an easy word to translate, but basically what it means is when, you're, when your guts are moved at the sight of somebody else's distress... That's what this word means, right? Splanknism, compassion. When, when your insides are moved at the sight of somebody else's distress, it's a, it's a uniquely human response. And you know why? It's because you and I have been created in the image of a compassionate God. It's a uniquely human response when your insides are moved. So this Samaritan, he, he says, this is wrong. This is so wrong. This is a fellow human being here. I've got to get off my donkey and do something about this. So he, he does that, gets off his donkey, goes down, he starts cleaning the guy up, pulls out his first aid kit. He's got oil and wine in there. I mean, odd, but they work. And he cleans him up and puts him on his donkey, takes him to the nearest B&B and uh, takes him in there. He says, look, look after this guy. I'll be back in a couple of days. Puts his hand in his pocket, pulls out some money, puts it on the counter. He says, I'm paying for this. And if it costs any more, when I get back, I'll pay for that too. See, that's, that's what compassion does. Compassion says, there's something going on here that's not right. I have to do something about it. It's a compulsion. It's a compulsion of the Holy Spirit within our hearts. They say, I have to do something about that. Now, there's a shock value in this, as I said, because in the eyes of your average Jew of that time, Samaritans were... They were so low on the socioeconomic register that they were virtually subhuman. And Jesus is doing this very, very deliberately. And I find it difficult at times to sort of find an analogy that works for us, that we can comprehend. And I've tried a few different things, but maybe a Collingwood supporter? I'm not sure. <laughs> I 
hope I haven't offended anyone here. <laughs> but you know, you're sort of getting the, getting the this, this is, you think, Collingwood, are you kidding me? No way in the world, that's not going to happen. Now look, if you're a, if you're a Collingwood, so, you know, have grace. There's some good people out there, I know. But um, we're being stereotypically, I realise. But um, So that's the shock value that's inherent within this story that Jesus is putting to this hard-hearted lawyer. It's a Samaritan. Someone you would just not, in his mind, no way, that's not going to happen. But that's who it is. And so Jesus looks him straight in the eye. And he says, so who's been the neighbour in this story? He's got nowhere to go. He knows he's been shot down. He's got nowhere to go. He says, well, the one who showed compassion. And still looking him straight in the eye, Jesus says, you go and do that. That's what I want you to do. And that, that's, the, that's the challenge that you and I have as, as Christ followers, that his expectation of us when we see a need in the world that we have a capacity to do something about, he's expecting us to do something about it because that's what he did for us. He saw that need. We could do nothing about it. And he put his hand up in eternity past and he said, oh, Father, I'll do it. I'll do it. And he did. And we've reaped the benefit of that in our own lives. Amen? And uh, we have that capacity to do that for our children's lives as well. We've got uh, uh, a bunch of kids uh, outside in the, in, the, in the entry foyer there that desperately need someone to put their hand in their pocket and say, you know what, that, that's not right. It's not right that they should be having to live like that. I'm, I'm going to do something about that. So let me tell you how it works. It's, it's $48 a month for a standard sponsorship. Now, you can give more than that, and, and that's fine. We, we, we'll, we're happy for, for you to do that. But $48 a month for a standard sponsorship. So let me break that down just a little bit, because some of you are doing the sums already, all right? And you think, whoa, I'm not sure about that. Um, it's $1.60 a day. $48 a month, $1.60 a day. Um, I enjoyed a really lovely coffee this morning. We had some good baristas here. It's fantastic. And, uh, you know, Melbourne's just about the capital, coffee capital of the world these days. But um, I'm seeing it's, it's spread up. It's come up. It's, you know, you realise this was colder than Melbourne this morning? Uh, just, just throwing it in, putting a bit of a balance into the thing, you know. Uh, but it's going to be a beautiful day. Um, we love our coffees, right? In fact, what I've noticed, and I'm speaking to myself here as much as anyone else, we buy our coffees without even thinking about it. Hello. Right? Uh, $1.60 a day, that's less than half a cup of coffee. Less than half a cup of coffee to release a child from poverty in Jesus' name on a daily basis. So what I'm suggesting to you is that, that, that I know not everyone can, and I get it, but the reality is most of us can afford this. We buy our coffees, generally speaking, without even thinking about it. So most of us can actually afford this. So here's the challenge. You have an opportunity today to look at, at one of those child profiles, and I've got one here, in fact, I want to see this little guy uh, sponsored 
this service, right? I love his name. Manchester Volcano Cavaloon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he is just waiting to explode. Uh, for Jesus. <laughs> right? Uh, and it says here that he's, uh, uh, he lives with his mum uh, and sometimes his mother is employed as a cook and there's one other child living in the, in the family. So here's a, a lad living with his mum, another sibling, who desperately needs someone to say, you know what, this is not right. Uh, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to see this child given the potential to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. So that's the challenge that I want to leave with you. You have the opportunity to invest into a life that can change the trajectory of that life for eternity. What a fabulous opportunity. Let me pray with you. Father, I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to share with my brothers and sisters here at River Edge Church in Mildura. Lord, I thank you for their passion for you. I thank you, Lord, for the worship that we've uh, enjoyed and uh, just the, your, the love that is evident here for you. Holy Spirit, my prayer is that you would, you'd be tapping us on the shoulder, as it were, and just saying, you know what? You can do something about this. And if you feel the Holy Spirit tapping you on the shoulder, I encourage you, be obedient in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.